Hello and welcome everyone to the Angel Scrolls Project. I'm Paul James Caden, and in this premiere episode of the show, we are going to be talking about the Angel Scrolls inscribed upon the fabric of your soul. Now, what do I mean by that? What am I talking about here? Well, hopefully by the time we reach the end of this podcast, you'll have a much better understanding of what the Angel Scrolls are and why they are important to each and every one of us, whoever we are, all across the globe. And every subject we will be talking about in this show from here on out, what we will be talking about here is the foundation beneath every other subject we will cover on this show. Whether it is mentioned or not, the Angel Scrolls are the foundation of everything we will be talking about because they will help us to understand ourselves, our journey here on earth, our life, our world, things that are happening in our world. So this is, I think, a very important subject and always something very important to be mindful of and to recall and think about throughout all the events of our lives and in the world around us. So what exactly are the Angel Scrolls? Well, in order to fully understand this topic, we have to take a journey back in time to my childhood. And there may be some of you listening to this show that have followed me over the years and you're familiar with some of the things in my past, my story. There may be some newcomers to the show who don't know a thing about me, so it's important to put this in context and I don't want to go into a whole lot of detail about certain things in my past but I want to give this topic some clarity and context by explaining some things that are very important to our subject matter. So bear with me as we reach back in time to my particular childhood which wasn't all bad. There was, you know, a lot of good things in my life and in my childhood and in growing up. But there was also some things that were not so good. One of which uh, was my father, who is not a very loving or affectionate man. He had a drinking problem for most of his life. He was a very self-absorbed and selfish person. And he was also quite verbally abusive to my mother, to myself, to my brother. And there were times where he would threaten us with physical abuse. Now, I'm not sure if he ever would have carried through with that if my mother wasn't there to stop him or some event didn't. Uh, cause to stop him in his tracks, but he wasn't a very pleasant individual to be around. I was also the kid that once I started school, I was the kid that was picked on, bullied, beat up for a number of years, 
and school was not uh, a very pleasant place to be when I was a kid. Now, before all of that, I remember being a little child. This was even before I learned to speak. I can remember lying in the crib in my bedroom as a baby, looking out through the wooden bars of the crib at the bedroom, the dresser, the contents on the dresser, the little nightlight next to the dresser, and having this feeling that I wanted to go home. I couldn't express those feelings in words, but it was a feeling. I wanted to go home. And I remember on many nights, there would be this shadow, like a person, pacing, walking back and forth at the foot of the crib by this space between the wall and the dresser. And when I would see this, I remember becoming very excited, having this anticipation is the only way I could describe it. It wasn't something, again, I could put into words or, or, you know, vocabulary. But I was very excited and had this anticipation that it was someone I knew, someone I, I loved very much, and someone who was coming to take me home. And that shadow was in my room for most of my childhood. As I graduated from the crib to the bed, I remember many nights this shadowy figure just sitting at the foot of the bed almost as if they were watching over me. Now I was never afraid, I never felt threatened, I never thought it was a monster or a ghost. I felt like it was a friend, someone familiar, someone who was very protective of me. And I also had this sense of a greater presence that was always around me. It wasn't the shadow person. It wasn't the mysterious person who was in my bedroom at night. They were a part of it. But there was this greater presence around me. And I just felt like I was supported and loved and looked after. And as I got older and, you know, heard about this concept of God, you know, I would talk to this presence. If it was my friend, I would tell it if I felt sick, if I felt sad, if I felt happy, if I was tired. And again, later when I learned about this concept of God, I said, ah, God, that's who it is. So then I would talk to God. I had this feeling as a child that we were all from somewhere else. Somewhere with this presence, this later what I came to understand was God. A place where we all treated one another with kindness and respect and love. And it wasn't like this world that we live in right now. And I remember when I would see my father drinking and yelling and sometimes he would have these tantrums and fits and just wreck the house and smash things and turn over furniture and storm out of the house. Or when I would go to school and I would, you know, see the kids as being, you know, so, you know, bratty and punky and, you know, 
harassing one another, harassing me, you know, beating up, uh, you know, the kids that couldn't defend themselves, which I was one of them at the time. And I would watch the people around me and just always think, this is not how we're supposed to be. This is not how we're supposed to act. This is not how we're supposed to treat one another. Don't we understand? Don't we remember that we're all from this other place and it's not like that over there? And so it it was burdensome to see how people would act and treat one another. Now, by the time I was in the second grade, now I'm cutting out a, a lot of little, you know, stories and bits of information here for brevity's sake. But by the time I was in the second grade, my brother and I had a friend uh, we met on the school bus. Um, We used to, you know, kind of joke with this kid and said he looked like Poindexter from Felix the Cat because he did, you know, for all intents and purposes. But later we found out that Poindexter actually lived right across uh, the street from us. And he was into comic books and superheroes and all the stuff that we were into. So this was great. You know, we made a friend, he was right in our neighborhood, but, you know, the honeymoon phase was kind of short-lived because, uh, you know, this individual's name was Paul as well, and he became very insulting, very mean. You know, he would talk about the way people dressed, the way you combed your hair, the way you walked, the way you looked. Uh, if people were too skinny, if people were a little overweight, he had something to say about everything. And here's this kid who's in the second grade with me, and, you know, he's calling me and other kids, you know, you know, wimps and faggots and retards and, you know, all these, uh, you know, very derogatory names. So by the time I'm in the second grade and I'm seeing all this in my life, the way my father acts, the way kids act at school, the way... Other people in my family, you know, act in the way they treated me, uh, the way the kids acted that were supposed to be my friends. I started to have this thought many times, and especially over the, the next four years of my life, I began to have it more and more. So this was like the second grade up to the sixth grade of just getting home from school, going into my room, listening to music, you know, laying on the bed and thinking to myself, my gosh, there's no hope for any of us in this world. Look how we treat one another. Look at the things we do. Look at the things we say to one another. Is this what life is all about? Is this who we are? Is this how life is? And if it is, the future is pretty bleak for all of us. You know, where is the love? Where is the kindness? Where is just really caring about the other person? And that was a real burden to me. So between a life that, you know, picked on at school, verbally abused at home by my father, by my friend next door, and even his family, the first time we ever went to, to his house, how shocking that it is that you walk into someone's house and here's, Adults, an older brother that's in, you know, uh, 
you know, seventh, eighth, ninth grade, you know, older brother and a mother and a father and a, you know, a sister that's in high school, you know, and they start calling you wimps, faggots and retards and weirdos, you know, the first time they ever meet you, you're like, oh my gosh, there must be something seriously wrong with me because everybody, you know, keeps calling me this, you know, that I'm, that I meet, uh, in this life. So it was very burdensome. All this was very burdensome. And again, you know, keeping things brief. And by the time uh, I got into the sixth grade, and it was a horrible, horrible school year. I remember, you know, being picked on by the kids. The teacher seemed to single me out. And, you know, I won't go into detail about those stories, but it was just miserable. And I remember coming home one day, it was about mid-November 1979. I was 12 years old. It was such a horrible day. I remember coming home. I just flung my book bag on the, you know, the dining room table, went into my bedroom, lay down on the bed, put a tape in the tape recorder because that's how we listened to music back then, and and just laid there thinking, man, what hope is there for any of us? Again, this, this is terrible. This is life. This is going to be life. How do I respond to this? And I remember so many times... From the second grade to the sixth grade, there, there would be times where I, I would just feel so burdened by all this, so hurt, so confused. I would ask God, God, you have to show me that there's hope, that there's love in the world, that there's a reason to put up with all this or endure all this. And I remember saying that to God with every fiber of my being that November of 1979. Now, my brother was not there. He was met uh, right after school. My uncle was at home, and he was going Christmas shopping, and my brother went with him. So I was home by myself. And I remember being in the bedroom by myself, and I said this to God with all of my heart, with everything within me. God, you've got to show me some kind of hope. Show me that there's some kind of love, that there's that there's meaning. Because, you know, for a kid of 12 years old in the sixth grade, I remember the anxiety level that I had. And there's no kid in the world that age that should have that kind of anxiety. It was, I look back at it now and it was like, wow, how did I... How did I have that much anxiety and even depression at times and not act out or do something stupid or have like a meltdown, but I didn't. Somehow I held it together. And I remember saying this to God and there was a window at the foot of the bed and the curtains were open and laying on the bed. You could look out of the back window and up into the sky. It was getting, uh, you know, nighttime. There were dark clouds. It was kind of a cold, uh, snow flurry type of day. But as evening fell, you could see the dark clouds and then kind of that twilight sky uh, behind the clouds. You know, a little beyond twilight. You know, it's just getting dark, but there's still that deep uh, purple or bluish tint to the sky. And you could see that through the, you know, behind the, the dark clouds. And I remember seeing this light in the sky and it looked like a star. 
but then it became bigger and bigger as it got lower in the sky and eventually came to rest in the backyard right outside of the bedroom window where I was laying on the bed. And we didn't have a big backyard, but what I'm seeing through the window, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, how does something that big, you know, you know, how is it in our backyard without knocking down the trees and the, you know, the fence and, you know, everything else. But it was this huge disc-shaped craft for all intents and purposes what we would call a UFO. And it's slowly rotating. There were windows or openings around the perimeter. And it finally stopped where one of the windows uh, or doors were open. And there was this girl, my age, standing in this doorway on this craft. And the interesting thing was, you know, she was my age. She had long blonde hair. She had like this silver jumpsuit on. And she had wings coming out of her back like an angel. And I could hear her speaking to me in my mind. Her mouth wasn't moving, but I could hear her speaking to me in my mind as I was laying on the bed, asking to enter the room. She was there to help me. Was I a bit freaked out? Absolutely. But for some reason, I eventually said, yes, come in. Now, I'm not going to get into all of the ins and outs of that particular uh, encounter. If you're interested, you could read my book, An Angel Came Down. Uh, It is on Amazon on uh, paperback, and the Kindle version, I think, is only uh, $2.99 or $1.99. I'll leave a link to that below if you're interested in reading the whole account uh, of what happened there. Uh, But this being introduced herself as Sarah, S-A-R-A. And she was there to help me. And she did. Eventually, uh, quite quickly, I I felt there was a familiarity about this being. Like I somehow that I knew her all of my life and beyond. Something so familiar about her. And she really did help me through that period of life. And she reappeared in my life at different times. I think it was 1980, 1983, 1991, and again, the the last time was 2003. Now, Sarah eventually, uh, it took some time but eventually said, you know, I am your guardian angel. There's reasons I came to you in a certain uh, a certain form and in a certain way. And again, all that's in the book. If you're interested in, you know, reading it, I'll leave the link to the book uh, in the podcast description. But suffice it to say, I, I had this angel encounter that spanned a number of years, reoccurred at, different times throughout my life, 2003 being the last time. And these encounters right from day one, November 15th, 1979, when I was in the sixth grade, marked my life, marked my thinking. 
I didn't always do things right as I was growing up and as I was a young adult. And, you know, now an adult. I didn't and I don't always do things right. I don't always act like a saint by by any means. But this encounter, this series of encounters, marked and changed my life from that moment onward. It's something that I thought about just about every day almost from the time that it happened and over the years you know uh, every day I think about it it changed the way I think the way I feel the way that I see life the way that I interact with other others for the most part again not that I don't make mistakes not that I don't sometimes get mad or you know whatever the case may be I'm human but this series of encounters have really changed my life and made me who I am today, why I'm so very interested in spirituality and and live my life by those spiritual principles. Now, what does all this have to do with the Angel Scrolls? Well, this goes back to probably the December of 2010, I want to say. 2010 or 11. But I want to say 2010. I went to bed one night and I had a dream. I had a dream that it was me, my wife, my brother, his wife, and a friend of ours were sitting on this long sofa in this house that looked very Victorian. There was a big fireplace over to the left. It was a, you know, big living room with this big archway in front of us, you know, leading out into like a dining room area and then beyond. And it was all decorated for Christmas in the dream. You know, this big room, there were candles lit. There were Christmas lights on. There was, you know, green garland over the the archway that we were facing, all sitting on this couch. And in the dream, we were waiting for my guardian angel, Sarah, to appear. The dream just picked up. We're all sitting there going, yeah, she's she's coming tonight. This is going to be really something, what she's going to show us. You know, and everybody was like expecting it. And it was one of those dreams that felt like more than a dream. And eventually, in the dream, Sarah comes walking through the doorway in front of us, the big archway leading out to the dining room area. And she starts telling me, in the dream, I start having a vision. So now it's like a dream within a dream, or an open vision within a dream. And I'm seeing visions of the past with her sitting there talking to me. And then I'm seeing also within the vision that I see myself sitting there with a pen in my hand, writing on paper, almost like I'm in a trance. And the letters that I'm writing look like Hebrew letters, but they're all 
glowing with a golden light. And then suddenly I'm not writing on paper, I'm writing on this long scroll with all these Hebrew letters that are glowing with a, a golden yellow light, and I'm just writing, writing so fast, you know, like I'm in a trance, almost like it's an automatic writing. And then the vision in the dream stops, and Sarah tells me, during our time together, you wrote things down that are hidden. They are the angel scrolls. And you did not remember them until now because I told you. And in the dream, I remember thinking, wow, really? You know, was I in some kind of trance? I wrote something down. Did I hide these scrolls somewhere? They are, are they hidden in a wall? Are they, you know in a hollowed out trunk of a tree like you see on TV where are these angel scrolls where where did i put them you know i'm, I'm asking asking this in the dream where where are they and in the end of the dream she tells me the angel scrolls are within you and she turns and walks out of the room and i woke up and like I said, that dream was one of those dreams that felt like it was more than a dream. You just had that feeling. You know, and it was like the open vision within a dream that was so peculiar because I never had anything like that before. And that dream marked my thinking just as much as all of the other angel encounters I've, I've had with Sarah throughout my life. And I really think that she came to me in the dream, because this did happen in the past, if, if you read the book, where she was in dreams and told me things that uh, actually uh, came to pass. And so that dream, again, really marked my thinking, really set a different tone for my life. The angel scrolls are within me. And it took some time and prayer and meditation and asking God and asking Sarah because whether I'm aware of her or not or seeing her or not, she's always around me. She is uh, my guardian angel or one of my guardian angels and I would ask her, you know, help to open up my my understanding of this. And it finally dawned on me one day like this aha moment, like, oh my God, there it is. The angel scrolls. How can I word this? They are the imprint of God upon our souls that we're born with. They are every experience that we have in our lives that is spiritual. Mine is my connection with Sarah, my connection with God, my connection with Christ. All of these things write on the, on the scrolls of our soul. Now you may have your own experiences that you can look back on and recall in your life that marked your thinking, marked your life. And I want to put a bookmark right there and say, 
I've always been a little bit shy to talk about these things. And I have a little bit in my podcasts. But, you know, the world of spirituality is filled with so many liars and kooks and gurus. I was always a little bit um, or a lot reserved in talking about these things. But I always had this idea. Maybe I want to write a book called The Angel Scrolls. And, you know, that's kind of something that's a little bit in the works, but... Uh, nothing that's, uh, you know, immediately going to happen. But the angel scrolls are something I think about as much as I think about my other encounters with Sarah. And that's what finally decided when I was thinking about podcasts, what I want to do. I want to do something meaningful. And I actually, this, this was interesting. I took a nap (laughs) one day. And I saw my Facebook page and it said, Paul James Caden, The Angel Scrolls Project. And when I woke up from that dream, I said, I think that's it. And I think it's time to talk about these things in more depth rather than feeling shy or, you know, that, you know, I might be judged or, you know, whatever the case may be. Uh, you know, the words of Jesus are are certainly meaningful, you know, not to throw your, your pearls before swine because they'll trample them underfoot and then turn on you, and a lot of people will. Or they will take that information and go, that's great, and then they'll distort it and pervert it, and you'll say, oh my God, why did I ever share that with anybody? They didn't get it. Look what they did. You know, they perverted the whole thing. They turned it into something that it's not, something that it's not supposed to be. And believe me, folks, I've had that happen. But I feel that God, the angels, the heavenly universe is saying, hey, it's kind of time. And it feels right. And I want to say this. What are the angel scrolls? I've talked to a lot of people since I've started podcasting and since I wrote my book, but especially since I started podcasting, a lot of people that have had the same kind of experiences that I've had being a little child, not even able to speak yet or barely able to speak, thinking they were from somewhere else, feeling like they wanted to go home, knowing this wasn't their true home looking up into the starry sky and thinking, I want to go home, and home is out there somewhere. Little kids who who were, you know, people that were a little more than, than babies at the time, having these thoughts, no introduction to religion, no indoctrination. I've talked to a lot of people that very young in their life were around the same age that I was, and that seems to be the thing. When people were around 11, 12 years old, having these angel experiences that they never told anybody about. And this is something that in my encounter, Sarah told me about, that the angels come to a lot of people. They show themselves to a lot of people, especially a lot of children. 
And boy, have I found out that that's true. And so those angel scrolls, people that have had this experience, they go through life and they kind of struggle. And I know that struggle because you know what you experienced when you were a child. You knew you know what you experienced growing up. You know what your pure, unadulterated connection with God feels like. You know the presence and the demeanor of your Heavenly Father. And you know that religion is not representing him very well, if well at all. You know what your connection with the angels feels like. You know that love and you know that joy. And again, you don't see it represented very well in religion. But as we grow up, we're bombarded with all of these things. The trends, how we have to look, how we have to dress, how we have to act. And then also in religion, what we should believe. You're going to hell if you don't believe this. This is the way. This is the truth. Listen to us. And we get all this stuff thrown at us. Till after a while we sit back and say, gee, I don't even know anymore. I know innately within myself what that connection is like, what I should believe, what God feels like, what the angels feel like, but but yet everybody's telling me it's wrong and I have to do it their way. And we get all mangled and mixed up in the ways of this world and its doctrines and its trends and its confusing behaviors. But ladies and gentlemen, that's what I'm here to tell you today. The angel scrolls are written on the fabric of your soul. And at any given time, you can go within and you can remember. You can remember who you are. You can remember who God is. You can remember how your connection with God feels. You can remember that your guardian angels are around you and they're there to help you and you can ask them for help. And it's not satanic or new age to do so. If it were satanic and new age, then why did God give us angels in the first place? To be there with us and for us. Why did the angels come to so many people in the Bible? When Peter was in prison and an angel came and tapped him on the side and the chains fell off his feet and his wrists and the prison door opened... If that's satanic for an angel to do these things or new age, why wasn't Jesus himself appearing in that prison cell and setting Peter free? The angels are our companions in this journey. There are helpers, there are friends, there are family, there are guides. And they come to us with nothing but the love and the peace of God. And when we know them as we're supposed to know them, they only bring us closer to God. They only bring us closer to Christ. They never invoke angel worship, as some people say. They always bring you closer to God. 
So folks, no matter what is happening in your life, no matter what is happening in this world, how crazy it gets, how bad it gets, I don't care if the apocalypse is knocking on our door, and it might be. We can have peace because we can sit down and we can open the angel scrolls of our own souls and remember. We can remember that connection. We can remember that unconditional love. We can remember that divine peace. We can remember that divine joy. We can hear that inner voice once again leading us and guiding us and telling us that it's okay. That we're going to be alright no matter what. No matter what happens in this world or around us. When everyone else is in chaos and fear, we can have peace. Because we can tap into and open the angel scrolls of our own souls and let those golden letters of the divine speak to us, rise up into our consciousness and give us leadings and promptings and instructions and intuitions. And sometimes they'll come by the voice of God. Sometimes they'll come by the Holy Spirit. Sometimes they'll come by the leadings of our guardian angels. But those angel scrolls are there to always help us to deal with and respond to no matter what else is happening around us or to us. And when everyone else is at each other's throats or running in fear or putting in trust in politicians or political parties or religious cults or, you know, whoever it is on the internet, on TikTok or YouTube or wherever, we can pull back from all that and say, no, I can go within and get a clear guidance. I can remember who I am. I can remember where I'm from. I can remember that connection. And I can listen. And I can hear. And I will hear. And it takes a little practice. Especially as we get older. And we've been bombarded so much. And there's so much layered on top of those angel scrolls. That sometimes we forget how to hear. We forget how to know. We forget that connection. We question that connection. We question, is God really love? Are the angels really there for me? Am I doing the right thing? So sometimes it takes a, you know, a little bit of practice. And we're going to talk about some of that in this show. As it unfolds, you know, how we can tap into those angel scrolls. You know, what I call the angel scrolls within and bring that inner peace out, get that pure connection with God back into our lives. But for right now, I want you to remember one thing. If you've had that experience when you were a little kid, or maybe you had it later in life, some people had that experience when they were very young, some people had it later in life, you may have just had that experience last week or last month or yesterday that really made you stop and think that maybe for that brief moment you had that eye-opening moment that said, hey, 
I think I really have a realization of how this is all really supposed to be and how this is all really supposed to go. And I feel really close to God right now. I feel really close to Jesus right now. I feel really close to the angels right now. That's your starting point. Everything you need to know was written on your soul by the finger of God. And then through life, through the Holy Spirit, and through the guardian angels, everything you need to know has been written on your soul. You came into this world with it. Everything you need to know to navigate this mess we're currently living in is within you. It's there. You came here with it. It's pure. It's innate. And religion has got to hold so many of us and said, oh no, that's demonic, that's satanic. That's the devil masquerading of an angel of light. Oh, you know, you just want feel-good religion, but that's not how it works. We need to tune all of that out. Because those are things we're taught. Those are things we learn in this world. They are not things we come here with, with that open soul, with that pre-program of how to connect with God, with heaven. So remember that connection. Think about it. Meditate on it. Just sit and close your eyes and remember. Remember how it felt and just let that feeling fill you. Let it fill the atmosphere around you. Just think about it and meditate on it. Recall that feeling and say, God, step close to me right now. Angels, come close to me right now. Jesus, come close to me right now. And this pure thought, this pure connection, show me your truth, your face. Show me what the real truth is. And that's the good starting point to remember, to think, to meditate. Write things down that you remember. Write things down that come to you. Start tapping back into that pure connection. It's all there in what I call, from that dream, the angel scrolls that are within you and written on the fabric of your soul. You came into the world with it. And it's been added to since then. And it might be eclipsed by a lot of garbage in this world. But we can get back to the purity of those inner scrolls. Get back to ourselves. Get back to God. Get back to unconditional love. And the clarity you'll feel. And there's not a thing in this world, once you tap into that love and once you reestablish that connection... There is nothing in this world you will ever be afraid of again. That I can promise you. So my friends, this is the Angel Scrolls. And they are written upon the fabric of your soul with those golden letters that glow with the golden yellow light of heaven. Remember them. Read them, recall them, meditate upon them, go within and find them.
because they'll change your life in ways that will be unimaginable. And I want you to remember that everything we talk about from this point forward in this show, the Angel Scrolls will be the foundation of every other topic we talk about. We will be coming from or getting to that perspective as we look at whatever else it is we may talk about in this show. And so in a sense, this show is kind of a training ground to kind of train us to everything else we encounter in our lives, at work, at school, at the grocery store, coming out of the government, plagues and your pandemics and food shortages and whatever, rising gas prices. It will train us to look at it from that perspective as well. And when we learn to do that and we master that, wow, we see it a lot differently. And like I said earlier, when everyone else is in panic, you'll have peace. You'll know that no matter what, you're going to be okay. And this in turn helps you to minister to others to help them get back to that pure connection. So I hope this show spoke to your heart today. And I do hope that you will think about and meditate upon the angel scrolls within your own soul. Because I can't honestly think of a more important thing than any of us can do in our lives at this juncture in history. I'm Paul James Caden. I thank you for listening to the Angel Scrolls Project. And I'll talk to you next time. God bless.